This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, we debated a bit about the Hespit because to be Maspit somebody, you have to have known him when he was living, you have to have had a sense of it, and then you can speak about the loss. Unfortunately, I don't think any of the names, certainly um, two of the three names, were not known to many of the people. And the question was, would there be the proper sense of covenant understanding who would be Maspid over here? But after a lot of thought, the sense at least to use the opportunity to understand the Shivas of Dali Israel, to understand the need if we ask somebody when Hashem, you go to Israel, you go to Yeshivas, you'll be learning, what are you supposed to look for? So we have a lot of different things we look for, but the sense to be around big people, great people. I always say when I came to the Me Yeshiva, there was the Rosh Yeshivas, there was the Asmada, but more than anything else, I would sit on a bench, and next to me was somebody who was an Adam Godel, and the other side was an Adam Godel. To, 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 to have paradigm of godless is something that is worth a thousand books. It's, it's the Torah pair of the person himself. So at least if it's, if, it's a, it's a, if it's a chance to at least understand a little bit, touch on some points, of three big people that really were not only big in their own right, but they were pillars of, of, of each one of an extraordinary community and at Sibur that they were their pillar is very important for us. Um, I, I had some Kesha to some degree with some of these, uh, of, of some of them, and I will try the best to, to sort of touch on things that we might understand. Um, it will help us understand, first of all, what a big person is, and what, it, and also, each one of these three was very different, had a different facet of Torah, and understanding a little bit about the extraordinary richness of Torah and how many different facets, it, it hopefully will be the Torahs <coughs> of, of today. There's a pasuk in Zechariah. It says, "Va'achid ashloishes haroyim b'yerach echad." I will destroy the three shepherds in one month. Uh, the Gemara says that it's talking. The Gemara says it's Aaron, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, except that it's considered like one month because Moshe shokel. But it is an extraordinary confluence that three people, like uh, three giants, were nifta within actually less than a month. One was Nifta on Leila Seda, one was Nifta Shri Pesach, one was Nifta Shri Shia, Alafia. So, try to speak a little bit about each one, <coughs> try to understand a drop of the, of the different facet of Torah represented, and hopefully it'll help us, it'll help us want to seek out big people and, and, and learning from them and having a Kesha. The first one, both in age, and chronologically, in, in Petira, the first one was Hagarin of Shulvazna Zatzal, who was Nifter on the Leila Seda. He was 101, over 101 years old, 
and he was in full command until his last moments. I want, he was the posek of, for, certainly for the Olam Achsidus, for the Achsidus Olam, he was the eminent posek. Um, for the, for the Litvisha world, he was one of the great Poiskim. He wrote Shevet Alevi. We have 11 volumes of Chuvis, and many of those Chuvis, in any contemporary halacha, his Chuvis have tremendous weight, and in many areas, he's the Chuvis that was Somachan. They also wrote Shiurim from him. He was born in Vienna in 1913. Vienna, in, um, for those of you who haven't gotten their world history yet, once upon a time, there was something called the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which was, it stretched across much of Eastern Europe. Um, and the Jews over there were very traditional, we'd call it the Bochsidish. And the, Vienna was the capital, and it was a center in different times, both for Haskalah and a center for, um, for extraordinary Rebbeim and 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 Talmich Chachamim. Vienna was the center of it. He was born there. He learned in yeshivas there, and then his last yeshiva, or the yeshiva that he felt most to tie to, was Yeshivas Chachamim Lublin. Yeshivas Chachamim Lublin was Rameir Shapiro's yeshiva, the famous Rameir Shapiro Medafayomi. He felt that in Poland there were no major yeshivas. The yeshivas were all centered for the Lithuanian or White Russia, the, what we would call today Litvish, Misnagdish world. And he put his life in making a yeshiva that would serve the Mohsidish Shalom, a central yeshiva. There was small little Batimidrashim. That was Yeshiva's Chachmin Lublin. And as Katzenstein pointed out, um, when he came to Nebrak, this he, he, he kept that Messiah and made a yeshiva's Chachmin Lublin. He came to Yisrael before the war, in the 30s, he was a young man, and he learned by Avdushinsky, but his main Rebbe that he did Shemesh by is somebody that nobody knows today, and it's incredible because this person taught halacha to all the Gdol Yisrael. His name was um, Polonsky, Shimshan Polonsky, and he was known as the Teplikarov. He was, uh, he had come from Ukraine, he was chassidish, came from big but he was known as the posik par excellence. And his psak, the shimush, Reb Yashiv did shimush by him, Reb Shlomo Zalman did shimush by him, Reb Vosna did shimush by him. Most of the of the older door of the Eretz <coughs> did shimush by him. Teplaka Rav was the one who taught Torah to all Gol Yisrael. It's 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 incredible. Nobody knows him. There's a small street in in, in for those who've been at Yisrael, Ashmoanovi Street, where Torres Moshe used to be. Uh, the, a little the little alley going up to Torres Moshe is called Prochov uh, Polonsky, and that's who it's named after. Teplikarov of Yerushalayim was there in the twenties. That was the he was nifter late. He was nifter in, in forty eight. He he came twenties. He was nifter in forty eight. And he was the Meira that gave over the Messiah's Hira from Europe to there. He was an incredible, he lived in the basement underneath Beisol Stivlach. Um, his, his weight in Psak and Shemush and Maisa, he was the one that gave Shemush to everybody. Uh, you can't, there's not a Posik in Atisrol between Rebel Yashev, Shamazam, Rebbe and, and a few others. They were all his Talmidim. 
he, um, he got Shemesh by him. He then was offered a Rabbanis in Bnei Brak, and he went, became the Rav of Zichin Meir. Zichin Meir was, in Bnei Brak was not, it wasn't as Haredi, this was the, the most Haredi area, and this is, and he was asked to become Rav over there, at the behest of many Dolem, they recognized him, he became Rav over there, and that was his, that's what he stayed as Rav until he was Nifta. He opened up Yeshiva's Chach Lublin, and he also had a Bezdin and a Beisairah, and that became, certainly by the Chassidim, that became the preeminent Bezdin, Beisairah, and, and Psak, and so on. My own personal Kesha, I heard Reb Shmuel Bazda once speak. He was Maspit, my wife's grandmother, the Rebbe Zengreinemann, uh, Allah Shalom. Um, and more than that, my personal Paisik and Rav of the family was somebody called Moshe Halbersham Zechayim who was a Talmud Muvok of Ravazna. Um, and Rav Halbersham I was very close to. He was, he, he carried over much of that Messiris. And I want to speak a few minutes about what that Messiris is. So Ravazna was the Paisik for the Siddish world. And more than the Paisik, he trained all the Paiskim and Moira, the big ones for the Eid Achredis and for others. He was the one that they did Shemesh by. It was Rabbi Branstoff, it was Halberstam, many, many others. He was the Poisik that people, that, that big people did, did, did Shemesh by. What was, what was some of the, what is it about the Demus of that Rav? So let's, so, so let me try to, let me try to define it. Um, two areas. One is, when a person learns in yeshivas <coughs> on, the yesh- on what we call the yeshivish adar halimud, akasha is akasha, araya is araya. You have a a very clear sense of something is right, something is wrong, something is not clear. It's almost like a textbook. Whatever questions they ask in the test section, there's a very clear answer in the answer section, and you either got it right or you got it wrong. When you come to the world of psak. It's, it's very, very difficult because most things practically don't fit into a clear case. You need to use judgment. You need to understand the reality of the chayfets. You, you can learn all the halachas about... Uh, uh, um, I had a rabbi of mine who in Europe was... Uh, they passed for a while and they said, you know, he learned about a liver that was this mass mace that became, that it became sort of gel. But when it came to him the first time, he said, he had no way of defining it. How do, you, how do you know whether that fits it or not? More or less, being able to translate um, dry, abstract halacha into lamaisa, the only way you can do it is by seeing somebody and, and, and doing shimush, being an apprenticeship, and many, many other shilas like that. So the living messiris of somebody who saw it by his rebbeim, like we said, he saw it by the teplika, he saw it by, and he was able to give it over. And the, the, the one, the, 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 the um, bridge <coughs> between the abstract halacha and the reality in front of you. Every Shailah that comes up, the Shailah is very rarely in Shaharach. The Shailah is on the table. Well, is this fit the criteria? Does not fit the criteria. One. Two, you have a bewildering amount of paiskin. 
there are no, the Gemara has Kalolim. Rabbi Shmuel, the Allah is like Shmuel Amominus, the Allah is like Rabbi Surim. What do you do when your Papa Shaharuch, and there's a big machlaikis, and I'm not even being Kalolim at one point, different shitas. How do you weigh all of the shitas and, and carry it through a psak? That's very, very difficult um, to do. It's, it also, it requires a shimush where you have a sense of someone held your hand and showed you why you would be Neitel Hachme here, why you'd be Neitel Hakel here, and so on. So the, his Amurero, and I, I would see it when I was in the early years, Ramesh Halberstam, as he became more famous, became more and more difficult to, 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 to speak it through with him. But in the early years, when I was Zohar to be able to go and ask him Shailas, and it wasn't so crowded, he would discuss it and he would show me and explain to me why Das is like this way, the other way, the Metzias, and so on. An incredible connection of, of, of being able to bring the halacha down lemaisa lemaisa, how to weigh the shitas in, in, in the poiskim, and how to bring it lemaisa. There's one more area, and I, and I want, it's something that we have a hard time um, translating it to today's reality. The music of a kehila and a rav um, exists in Europe, everywhere almost. In America, because it be- everything converged on New York, and it became a big jungle of a lot of different mishmash of killers, half kehillas, non kehillas, and so on. The whole sense of a kehillah and a rav was destroyed. Um, uh, 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 forgetting about even what to look for in a rav. But in, in, in the most traditional way, a rav not only passed in Shilas, but he led the community in approaching halacha. And I want to explain what that means. When you open up to Haruch, there are things that are clear-cut Asa and then there's a whole range of things. Bal Nefesh Yachmer, Royal Hachmer, Efshel Lahatol B'Shasat Chak, Mokum Tzargal. What's that whole area? The area is, there's Avodah Hashem, and a person goes from Madrega to Madrega. And th- 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 there are areas, depending on the weight of the Poiskim and so on, that you either need to move forward. Lamashal, you look at a Tzibur, and you say, the Tzibur is holding by Madrega, where well, you need to take the next step forward and be marked on this, that, or the other. Or, if the Tzibur will have a heter for this, People will be mazals and alacha, and they will cut every corner available. Or the tzibur will not be able to hold out a chumrah like this, and and everything will collapse. It's it's gzeirshen rebetzir It requires one eye on where we want to go to, and one eye on where the tzibur is. It requires leadership, real leadership of of rabbonis is to know the Rav has one eye on the Sulam Eilalamala and one eye on the Tzavartza to understand where people are, what they're capable of doing in that. Again, I'll translate just from my experience. I would go to Meshach Halbishtam and sometimes he would say, you should do it this way. And, and he would say, where you are, young man, yeshiva, this and that, he'd say, I'm not playing it's also, but you should not be doing it. Or, you can't tell him to do this. 
he's not going to be able to hold on to it. You need to go berafcha and give him and, and be mattered and so on. Um, I once had a very complicated emotion. He, he, he guided me in a certain way, it, explaining where the, for this, this person needs the cooler in order to progress and where you can't open the door because you're opening Pandora's box. That was the koyak of Rabbanis of leadership, to understand the, how to clear a path <coughs> of sack in the Shulharuch, how to apply it in the Lamaisa, and how to apply it to the people. Rashul Vasna was that demus. He was the demus of the old time Rav who looked, had one eye on the Shulharuch, one eye on the person, and one eye on the chick in front of him. And be able to see and understand what needs to be done and how it should be led. I'd like to um, I'd like to say over two verta from him, two things that I found that really, really both are incredible nakudas. Um, I got them out of the Akdama to the Shevet Alevi. That's his magus opens, the 11 volumes. They also put a lot of his shiurim. Um, I'd like to say over two of the One is on, on this week's parsha, uh, Incredible Hashgacha. It says, This is the Torah of the Metzerah on the day when he becomes Tahar. So he says the following. It, 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 it seems he should have started with the Torah of Metzerah either the beginning. Or, you know, in other words, why is Torah of Metzerah Yom Hitaro? I mean, Mitzvah is a whole process. It goes from seeing the nega, the kain looking at it, and finally, and, and finally the tara. <coughs> he says, the tachlis of punishment is not derech um, nekama, like Rishonim say. Kaddish Baruch Hu is not out to hurt somebody. Kaddish Baruch Hu is out to teach. And sometimes listening is, 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 is enough to learn. And sometimes you need to be physical, and until it's not pounded into a person, it doesn't work. But he says, when a person is crushed under Yisurim, and a person <coughs> is going through a difficult situation, he doesn't even have the presence of mind to learn. He says, the Metzirah is somebody who rejected society, only saw the bad in everybody, and the Torah, the tosses him out, so that he has time to, to live in his, the misery of being alone. And when he's ready to go back and look at society with an eye he's ready for his tara. He says it's a long process. Tara's material takes a few steps. But the glimmer of hope starts when, when he's able to be metahir. He says that's the point at which he's able to start internalizing and thinking about what he went through. When he starts the process forward to Tara, when he has the, when he's at his Yisurim, now's the time to start and think about it. He writes about gone through all the difficult Kufus Kaya scroll. In, now, with, now we need to sit down and begin to internalize what it is. That's one word I want to say. Oh, it's on this week's uh, passion. Very, very fitting. Very, very powerful insight. A second word. This deals with Psak. It says like this. It says that the Yushalmi has the Tfilah of Nechunya ben Akana, Yurotzen Fanech Hashem Lekeva Kavasai Shle Aktik Nege Haverai, Lechaveri Akpidu Nekdi. So when he's going to Smedrish, he says, Yurotzen that I shouldn't 
be upset at other people, other people should be upset with me. So we shouldn't be metared at Tomei and be metamed at We shouldn't mess up our psak. And it says over here, um, and if because of Chasasholom I passed him wrong, I'm going to be misbayish in Olam Haba. So he asks, is that the only reason? Like, I mean, the fact that being marshal somebody with Shreif Chasasholom is not is not a reason. I mean, I'm also worried that in Olam Haba they're going to say no, no, no. That's some that's a So he says the following. He says, every person is human. And if a person sits down to Paskin, and he really doesn't shame Shemai, he's misyageya, he thinks with a psak, and he comes up with a, with, with, with a psak. And then he finds out he's wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. But if there were motives involved, he went to Paskin the entire and, and things about the situation, he was very impatient. Something was bothering him. He was upset, and that affected him. That is something that he's accountable for. What, when we do our best internally, with the Seichal Kachbrach gave us, with the, with the ultimate Yigiyah and Yidiyah Satayra, that, that we're not held accountable for. The Bush in Olam Haba is, if we had an issue with somebody, and then we were metayra satayra, I said it's kasha because I owe him a favor. I said it's treif because I'm upset at him. That's where the busha comes in. So he said a poisik, a, 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 a rav, needs to be mispalol. to know what's right halacha, but more than anything else, never to allow side things or personal things to affect him. I think that that's a, a um, it, 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 if anything could possibly, if, if one sentence could possibly define the person, that was the person. That the the of psak and the understanding that the tahara of not being affected, of being pure and straight, is what it's about. That was Reb Shmuel was nifta on, a, like we said, on the Leila Seda, and um, he was over one. He wasn't passing the fall, but he was still active and 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 interacting till his last, uh, you know, till his last moments. The next one I want to speak about, and again, it's chronologically in order, both in terms of Ptira and birth. Um, it's somebody who was um, my wife's uncle. He was the grandfather of um, and he was a person who, again, I'm sure almost nobody heard over here, and yet he was one of the big co-hosts and big Dolomites stroll who did a tremendous amount had a tzibur that was Kula Dovuk in him, of Gdola Olam, and uh, was one of the great forces for carrying on another Messiris. Chaim Greinemann was a, um, he, he was, his father married a sister to Chazanish. His father was Rabbi Shmuel Greinemann, he married Chazanish's sister, the Rabbonus Tzivya, Allah Shalom. She was a, um, they actually were the foster home Rabbi Enema, when Rabbi Enema, as a young boy of eight, nine years old, came to Yeshiva to learn MTJ, he stayed with them. And he was the one, Rabbi Shmuel who got him to Yeshiva, and very interesting connection. Um, the the Chazan Ish, she was very close to Chazan Ish, his sister was very close to him. And Chazan Ish himself did not have children, and her children 
were the closest, in many ways, the Chazanish looked at them as children. The, um, the, the Reb Chaim was of the children. He was the one that was closest to Chazanish. Chazanish adored him like a child. The Chazanish um, gave him whatever he could give him. He was himself was born in, in approximately 1926 in Vilna. He came to Eretz when he was nine years old. They, the whole family moved to Eretz Yisrael. Chazanish had come a little earlier. They moved. He, he came out, didn't see his own father or mother. They moved to America a few years. Within a few years, they moved to America. Um, he, they, he, he was stuck there by the war. And for, for, for most of his life, he, for his growing up, the Chazanish really was the father figure, literally, in many ways. <coughs> and he gave him over, I would say, he was, the, he was his child. And if someone can claim to, to, to have tried to be Mamshat himself to the Chazanish, he has the closest claim to it. He lived, so he learned in Bnebrak, and he sort of was the Chazanish's child in that sense. He got married in Yerushalayim and was there for quite a few years. He brought to Bnei Brak many of the Chashuvei Yerushalayim to become Talmidim. Rajashir Landau, one of them, Chaim Brim, a whole, a whole Chabura of Chashuvim that he schlepped to the Chazanish, and they became very cautious with the Chazanish. He was, the Chazanish was nifted in 53, and um, he was a young man in his late 20s, and he spent the rest of his life learning, Yom Valaila. He spent the rest of his life doing. And it's incredible because his own, he, he was, he never did things publicly, and yet he was an extraordinarily public figure. He was an uncle of mine, and I would go occasionally. Let me try to describe the person. He was extremely powerful and extremely focused. You, when you spoke with him, there was no hesitation. He, he absorbed everything. He knew everything. And when he answered, it was ex with extreme force, confidence, um, and focus. He would have, with the, a different but when I remember, he didn't want to be bothered. He, he wanted to sit and learn most of the time. So he'd go off. He had, he had a few different places, small villages, where he sat most of the week. And he would come once a week or twice a week, we'd have open house in Nebrak. The room was filled with <coughs> everything, with, 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 with poor, humble, <coughs> wealthy, powerful, looking for advice and guidance. And he, he, he was able to deal with almost any issue and absorbed it, thought it through, and was machriyat. And, and with a lot of with the full weight of responsibility on on everything that he that he undertook, it, w it was incredible. He he was able. To, he was called at a young age Chachimoy the Yudoy, which means the wise man of the Jews. He was extraordinarily smart and insightful in life situations, and could and could understand how something. Many times, somebody would come to him and say, "I have this terrible problem. What should I do?" And again, this I know from personally, he he would say. What you can do is X. It's not going to work, but if you can do it, you must do it. And, 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 but I, I tell you, at the end, it's not going to work out. And he was almost always on mark. He was extremely, extremely 
he had a, a pikhis that was beyond the, the norm in any way. He, he, he dealt with many medical issues. I had, I had a, a, um, I had a, a, one of my brother-in-law's father had a medical procedure that aroused halachic issues. And he, was, he didn't know what to do. And he went to many poskim. He told me only two poskim really off the bat knew the Metzias. One was Dain Weiss, and one was our uncle Reb Chaim. He said he immediately told him the anatomical layout, the issue, how doctors approach it, how they can approach it, how they need to approach it. It, it, was, it was an incredible uh, exposition of, of having it down clear and knowledgeable and so on. His derech learning very much followed the Chazanish, which meant you learned through the sugyas multiple, dozens and dozens of times until you found the mahalach that fit the sugya well, and that was pshat. And he, um, very original, and he published for him on most mesechtes, and he s- probably said shir on everything in, 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 in Shas, extremely, extremely broad on uh, areas, with the same level of tremendous focus, tremendous gear, and extraordinary confidence that once he's worked it through, then he has to go by the pshat that he's worked through. Um, he was involved in very, in, in many tremendous undertakings, but his name was never mentioned. There's a famous Kyiv organization, Arachim. He was the guide. He was the one that, that guided him every step. Many of the, the tshuva movement, with all its difficult shilas, he was one of the prominent addresses. There was a girls' school. He was very, he realized that the firm community needs to expand into other areas, and he was behind different places developed outside of Nebuchadnezzar and Shalayim. And he, his foresight on communal level was extraordinary, and and uh, and and he he's behind many things that his name was never published. He didn't want it. He never spoke publicly. Never ever spoke publicly in, on on Agadite. He said sure. He never said drushes ever. He didn't say. I when our grandmother's nifta his his mother, um, he did not say the hespit. He was not given to expressing his feelings that way, and. You know, looking as a sort of an outsider, I, I'd always we'd always see him the same mood. He was positive, collected, upbeat, and that was it. Never ever saw any change. It was kol kulo tachlis. This is what I have to do. Chovas bolomo. Period. I, I wanted very much to share some personal things, and I, again, I want to thank her, his grandson Gaiman, who gave me three letters that he sent to his children and grandchildren on occasions, small letters, and what, what's to me astounding is the contrast between the person that was Kol Hashem Bakoach, everything was, there was no flap, everything he stood behind was with total confidence in a Christ. Um, one is, I'll read two of the three, I'll translate it, short letters. One is he had Blian Hara many children. He himself left over 16 children. Baruch Hashem, each one has families of their own and children's children, <coughs> many, many descendants. So when a group of his children went on to Shivitola, a group of his grandchildren, he sent a collective letter, he sent a letter to each one. He said, My dear grandchildren, you're now entering the Shiva Gedola. Try to enter into Gedola as well. Now, see, Shiva Dol doesn't only mean 
a higher level yeshiva. It means a yeshiva that brings out godless in a person. Each one of you should aspire to be of the great people of the next generation. Each one should determine for himself that there's nothing in the world except for the sugyas of the Gemara, of Abayin Rava, which is actually is the case. And that's extraordinary. He was a person who everything, 360 degrees of human activity in life, went through his portals. He saw everything, heard everything, knew everything. And this statement was also a definitive statement he could make about his life. There is nothing but Babakama, Babatsiya, Babasa, Zroyim, Tahiris, Kachim, and so on. People should look at themselves, each person should feel I am unique. And, and they should, therefore, um, they, they should increase their smut and davening. In other words, when you walk into a big tzibur and everybody's learning davening, so I'm at start with a pruta. In other words, I give my pruta and I'm, I'm part of the tzibur. Look at yourself as an individual and daven and learn as if you're the only person. And don't get involved in anything else. And, and you'll feel uh, aliyah every day. Accept my brachas and tefillahs that you become our crown and Shem Shemayim should become a Kudush through you, that people should be drawn to, to be Mishar Shem Shemayim Ayyadchem. That's what he wrote in Tavshin Ayin Aleph. Motzi Yom Kippur, Motzi Shabbos Kodesh before Elul to his grandchildren. One more thing I'll read is a letter that he added an addendum to his own will, um, which he wrote when he turned, he, he added this addendum when he turned 80, and he was Nifta nine years later, it was about 89 or so, he was born 26, um, and here's the, the letter. I'm adding something today bec because I became 80. I became 80 today. I want, I feel, that everything I ever merited, and that you merited, he speaks to his children, is, be, is in the schus of the Chazanish, Marenzal. <coughs> that he was the Moser Torah of our generation. The Messiris Torah, the, 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 the Hemshel of Torah was our generation. And if not for him, Torah would become forgotten. Chazanish, there were areas of Torah that had, they had no Hemshel. Zroyim, nobody, nobody had a, a, a field. Zroyim had become disconnected for who knows how long. And many in Yonim. He was a father and a mother and a Rebbe. I want to stop a second. When I came here 20 years ago to Yeshiva, I spoke to him a lot. There were a lot of issues with traveling and leaving my family behind, moving my family and so on. They were not simple issues. And also general advice. And he told me every buffer today needs, you know, your role is to be a father, a mother, a Rebbe, and a friend. And he says, the Chazdish was a father, and a mother, and a Rebbe. And you know, sometimes I don't pass him like him. Well, that's what Torah is. We need to remember that the Chazdish, yes, Lacha requires me that when I bring Rias and a Machria, with the older gear differently to pass like that. But I need to bear in mind he's the big one and I'm the small one. And then he says, Ubama Kadem Lemiak Demani Hatoiva Matos on Tavis Tachas Ros What can I offer Takashbar who gave me all the good that I did not return? Yeheshme Rabba Varak Lomaya may his name be Tmirabba 
and Yiratsen that he should cleanse me of my Averis, and you, he says, my children, you should be Dovak and Torah all your life, because everything else is nonsense, as you've seen already. And I'm asking you once again to be misfollowed for me, and to learn Torah for my Neshama, and just like I did for you as a father, I, I cared for you as a father to children, now I would like you to care for me, and to do Kibbut Ava'im, by doing things Leila Nishmasi, Biyashan Tamash Torah. Um, there's one more note over here that I feel compelled. He he asked his children to learn for him, and they and the um, he he says I'm begging you, um, anyone whose family or who's who feels close to me, to please learn, and and I'm not just asking, make believe I'm begging. And then it says over here he added some things Balper. He says, tell each and every one of the children, and, and it, it, he says that, um, that I want that right after Petira to stop learning Mishnai for me, and so on. And then the person adds a note. He said it sobbing with tremendous amount of feeling, and he said, don't think, don't look at it as if it's a request to add pieces of Olam Hava, of Gan Eden. Look at it as a request to save me from Gehenna. That was his, to me, this was an incredibly, it was an incredible revelation of the depth of his feelings that he always had his seichel, his seichel always overrode that. When you spoke to him, no matter how difficult the situation, he was in control, he was calm, because you needed to do something. He needed to think it through calmly, he needed to answer, and he needed to give it a feeling that it's with the utmost confidence. But, but the power of, of, of the emotion that he's displaying and so on and so forth is, is, is palpable, it's, it's incredible. That was, the, my, that was Chaim Greenman, Zatzal, uncle, and, and so on. The, um, f- finally, the third person was somebody who was unique um, and another facet of Torah, and, and, and that is Ravan Lichtenstein Zatzal. Ravan Lichtenstein was born in Paris in 33, so, and he was Nifta in, um, on, on Aleph Iyot, Ravenim's yard site actually, it was Nifta the same day. The, um, he, he, his parents were running away, he came to America as a young boy. He learned in Chaim Berlin for high school age, and two people there had a profound influence. Rev Hutner had a profound influence on him, and he referred to him throughout his life as Murav Rebbe and was very, very, um, he, he, he pointed him out as one of his pillars of his personality. He also, um, he then, Rebana Salvechik was teaching at the time Chaim Berlin, and he had a, a, a strong influence on him. He then went to Yeshiva University and his future father-in-law, Rabbi Yashavar Salvechik, became the dominant influence in his life, shaped his life in many ways. Um, he was, he, he received, he spent a few years and he received a doctorate in literature in Harvard University, came back to the university, was Rosh Kolo. In 1970, moved to Israel. They established uh, the Yeshiva in Haaretzion, Gush Etzion. As Gush is the place, but Haaretzion is the, is the name of the Yeshiva itself officially, and was there till his Ptira, basically. 
Um, he was Niflex at Aleph Iyar. He was in his early 80s, 81, about, and some uh, of the dates are off the 33 and so on. But Al Kaponim, he was seen by many as a pillar of what's called modern orthodoxy and um, was, was an extraordinary person. I, I'd like to start with the caption and then try to understand the different pieces. Um, the, one of the things, obviously he went to get a doctorate in English literature in, in, in from Harvard um, and was one of those there were only Israel that had done similarly and the, the, um, in the German Rabbanim, the Archlener had a doctorate and so on. What was, what's the point of it? What were the reasons why um, many people hesitated and why was he able to do it? What's our understanding of secular um, wisdom and so on? So um, let's try to point on two or three Makoros and we'll understand um, a, a, a clear perspective on it. The Torah says that it, Noah, from whom we all descended, had three children. Ham was physical, he was Eved Avadim, he, he, he couldn't, he, there was nothing inherently good that could guide his life, and he needed someone to guide it. Shame was the spiritual forefather of Klaisol, of us. Shame included in himself the ability to become toiv and to be mashlet toiv, to have the toiv become the force that would shape the world. Yefes was quasi-spiritual, and Yafta Lekim Yefes and his Yafiyafusa should be Ba'ole Shem. It means that Yefes has certain talents <coughs> and abilities that can become useful in Shem's Avoda. Specifically, it's called Yofi. Yofi means the expression of something, how to convey something. For instance, what a yeshiva is, is what a shul and yeshiva is, is a place where people dab and learn. How a shul is presented, the architect that makes the building attractive and really conveys the message of it, that's a world of, it has something very chashev, and that belongs to Yefes. And Yefes's avoda is to take his yofi and to subordinate it to, to understand that it's a vehicle, the message is a message of shame, and, and, and Yafis is, is where it comes out. So in the big picture, it says, Chachma Begoyim Tamin, Torah Begoyim Al Tamin, Torah, which is what's right and what's wrong, is here. How to express it, the articulation, the exposition, the, 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 the projection, that all is the Avod of Yafis. One. Two, besides that, Kalal Yisrael had many good things, and they were taken by the Goyim. Two Mekoyos. There's a Medrash in Bayishlach. It says there was an Amaoretz that came to Oishia, and he said, if I tell you a good word, will you say it over my name? I always wonder about it, like, would I like to be eternalized as the Amaretz? You know, he said, oh, but, but that's what he said. So he said, yes. So he says, Losid Lovo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to return to us 
all the matanas that Yaakov Avinu um, gave Esau. Because it says, Mincha Yeshivu, it's a positive film, they're going to give back the Mincha. It doesn't say Yeviu, they'll win, but they give it back. Now, everybody understands that we're not looking for the Yemaisa Mashiach, that all the lamb chops, the lambs and the goats and the camels should come back and this and that. That's not what the Mincha, that's not what we're talking about. Whatever it is, Yaakov Avinu, everything that he touched was Kaidish. And when he gave that to Esav, it meant he let go of some of the Kedusha, and it disappeared into Esav's, um, Esav's safe, into his bank deposit. And he needed, Lord Lovo, we're waiting for that. Not one drop of Kedusha get lost. Whatever good there is there, we should get back. One more marker. The Rambam, in end of Kiddush HaChadish, at the very end, and, and two program before, the Rambam says, Dramam describes, he maps out in great detail the astronomy of Kiddush HaChadish. And he says, I got it from secular books. He said, we had this Chachma, obviously, because we needed Kiddush HaChadish. We lost it over the years. And he says, it's mathematical formulas, they're true no matter who has them, and if they work, they work. And then he writes at the end, he says, I included it in my Sefer because Teres Hashem should be complete. They should, people should not have to rummage through libraries to find the things for Kiddush HaKadosh. Teres Hashem in its true form is complete and everything is there. And that's why I'm trying to include it in Mishnah Torah. So we have the following sense. Torah is us, it's emis, what's right and what's wrong no one else has. The tools for understanding certain things, tools for expressing it, for conveying it, that is there. Either because the Chathila was given to Yefes, or because we lost it and it became absorbed there. Those are the elements of good that is to be found there. So if someone was to ask us, do we have it all? The answer is no. First of all, because Yefes has a role, and secondly, we lost many, many elements of Kedusha that are stuck in, in homes that don't want them and they don't want the homes, but they're stuck there. So, so that's an Indian to go and to find the Chachma and bring it back. But that was very problematic. Why was so many Gdolim averse to it? The answer is because most people that went there to bring it back never came back, were never heard of again. And the people that were heard of are much worse. That the, 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 the people that we never heard of was their problem. The people we heard of was our problem. Um, one of the great so-called Jewish philosophers was a Talmud of Slabotka. This is in the early 1900s. No, it's not a mitzvah to mention a name, so I won't mention a name. He ended up in Harvard as one of the great Jewish philosophers. He wrote that in, because of what he's come to realize, he, he said that if a person has a choice between keeping your kippah and doing your work in Harvard, doing your work in Harvard is definitely more important. That's where people ended up. And it wasn't one, it wasn't dozen. In Europe, it was a one-way street. Anyone who went to look for any holy sparks ended up there, an, a, another, another a captive of, of that world. And here was a person, him and his father, and him, who arguably were extraordinarily, um, were extraordinary, extraordinary men of stature, 
and succeeded in, and, and they brought back certain things, a certain articulation, the richness of the articulation, the ability of presenting the entirety of an argument, m very many, many gifts that, that, are, that are appropriate. Divitors should be able to be said in Shivim Lashen, and they should be able to have the fullness and the richness and the beauty that, that, can, that, that, that they deserve. And it was also for many people, it was a way to be able to put to rest the so-called struggle and, and to make them Yerushalayim. Why was he different? How was he different than all the people that left and never came back again? And I think focusing on that will give us tremendous insight on what it takes to be able to do that avoda. I'll tell you where I'm getting my information from. I myself was, f I, I met him once. I had a, a, a friend of mine who's still in Silver Spring who lives there in the community, very close Talmud. And he introduced me to him. And like everybody else, he, he, he was, I was in awe of the personage. Um, his emis, his pashtas, his anova. And this man was an incredible genius. And in, incredibly, and he was very famous. For, Everything about him was a ruach, shvala, it, it, it was never shvala, ruach, nemucha. Everything about him, just meeting him, just speaking to him. Um, but he wrote three, four years ago, somebody did a series of 20 interviews with him. A, a person who's a very, uh, a Talmud Chachem, who's a writer, and spent 20 sessions with him. And he put together a, a entire book with his thoughts on certain issues. It's called Mevakshin Afshecha. It, it's Panecha, Vakshi Panecha. It is, um, it's not an easy read, it's in Hebrew. Unfortunately, Rev. Lichtenstein's reading in English would probably be more difficult. You probably know more Hebrew than his, than his English, because his English was extraordinary. And it's very long. He's, he doesn't believe in cutting things short. He, he gives everything full treatment. But this is taken from there. And I want to read a few things that are incredible. Um, and, and it will give us an insight of what it takes to be able to survive. When we see somebody go, let's say they had the, the, um, the, 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 uh, the reactor in, in Ukraine that exploded, Chernobyl. So when you see a guy go in and come back unscathed, the less is not we can come back unscathed. We need to ask ourselves, what was he wearing that could come back without being touched? So let's see. Halacha, he says, which means, he means the Gemara, he means the Shakta is the dominant part of Teresh Peh, as opposed to philosophy. Halacha is what captures the heart and mind. It is what, what inculcates us the sense of mechuyavus, of obligation. And this is where magician can come from. All the generations saw the chilek of halacha and gemara, as, as opposed to the philosophy of gemara, as, as the center of Yiddishkeit. And then he says, the Messiris of, Yid of Yadus emphasized that Talmud Torah is not an intellectual occupation only. It is a dialogue with the Rebbeinu Shalom. This statement is the basis for the Olam HaYeshivas, and this is the basis for any ben Torah's ex serious Ben Torah's existence. The, 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 um, what the person gets out of the learning depends on the attitude he brings into the learning. He says, it's true, sometimes Gemara becomes a way to take your mind away from the Rebbein Shalom. In other words, if a person sees it as an intellectual pursuit without understanding it. But the challenge is there 
to understand that the person is being when he's sitting and learning. There are things that a person feels so strongly about them that he wants it to become part of himself. When a person has, uh, uh, when a person has such a feeling, he wants it to become, to internalize it and to become a permanent part of his person. And this is what the Brisa tells us, it doesn't mean it means Torah should become the permanent part of yourself. Make sure that it penetrates you, it, it's absorbed by you, it becomes part of you. He says, this will have many, many effects on how you learn. He says, if you listen to symphony, if you want it to be part of you, you listen to it one way. And if it's background music, while you're doing something else, you listen to it very, very differently. There is a cycle between Yerushalayim and Vekas and Torah. The more one becomes stronger, the other one becomes stronger. In other words, Yerushalayim should be pushing the, term, the learning, learning should be pushing Yerushalayim. And when a person, the more a person learns Torah, because he sees it, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to him as his Torah, his Kesha to Torah will become very, very influenced and impacted and will impact his Keter Yibayashel. So first thing is, the first thing is the Hasmada of his incredible Hasmada. His, his Hasmada was incredible. He said Shurim on Kol Chalke Torah and he knew everything. His incredible, incredible Hasmada. Um, somebody told me that he needed to make an appointment to speak to him. And he, he, he thought about it and he says, I'll tell you what, I have a seven minute break for lunch, you can sit and talk to me during that time. That's, that's the time you give me. On, on Matsi Tishabov, somebody looked around and he noticed in the, in the, that he wasn't there. So he asked the Rebetzin, where, where is he? He said, you know, we abstain from two things on Tishabov from eating and from learning. Everybody runs to grab the first bite of what he's missing. In other words, after a day of not learning, he felt he needed to run and, and to learn first. That's, that's the first hunger. Then we'll come back and, 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 and take the second bite. That was it. So the first thing is A, a smudden taira, and an incredible, incredible um, attitude that when a person is learning when a person is learning shlichus, a person is learning what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu obligate me when I have somebody do something for me. Is that that I did it or not? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said I need to be by the comments. When I sent somebody, when is that considered me and why is that considered me? HaKadosh Baruch Hu extended my abilities to, 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 through someone else. That's um, one, one part of the equation. Um, a second part, and this comes across more than anything else in the general sense of the book, was his another. Most people, the more they become quote-unquote intellectual, the more haughty they become. That's the, that's the, because, wow, I know so much, and I throw around names and ideas, and, and there this seems to be a, a very a perfect correlation between uh, being a snob and studying. His Anova was incredible. I want to quote his father-in-law, Rav Soloveitchik. He wrote a book called Ish Lonely Man of Faith, 
And he makes a, an extraordinary statement there that explains the difference between Chachma Yisrael, who are Isaac and Chachma, and Chachma Yisraelo. He says the man of faith and the man of science are in opposition and they can never be the same person. And he says, I don't mean whether we find this bone or that bone or the other thing. That, that's, not, that's not the topic. When a person discovers something great, he says, imagine two people climbing a mountain and they climb Everest and they get to the top. One person's reaction is, aha, uh-huh. I put up a big mountain, but I climbed it. And one person looks up and says, this is the first step to infinity. I, I, I am so humbled by the experience. I become, I've become so humbled by the incredible, overwhelming experience. When a person learns chachma and is gaiva to him, there's any type of arrogance, it exacerbates it. And the person finishes, he's so arrogant, it's not that he doesn't believe in HaKadosh Baruch there's no room for HaKadosh Baruch in his world. He takes up the entire whole plus. But when a person looks at it with the eyes of, the more I see, the humbler I am. When I saw a world with, with mountains this high, my Hasagah of Kashbal's godless is this much. When I see a world with mountains this high, the incredible another of, of the person directly was something which fed into, um, which, which, which gave him the ability to be able to absorb things and not fall into that trap. And finally, there was an incredible meter of <coughs> Emmis. Someone told me a story. He's Again, these are first-person stories. I tend to, someone was speaking to him and was a little bit of a, of a chutzpah, like a person, and he asked him about his, he, said, he made some disparaging remark about his yeshiva. I don't know if this person was from a, was from a, from a different yeshiva, whatever, the person made. And Revan thought a minute and he said, I really feel to evaluate your statement properly, the yeshiva needs to be longer around. In other words, the amount of years is not a full, you know, come back in 20 years and then we'll talk again. It, it wasn't a game. It was very much the person's sense of Emmis. And, he, and his whole, in, his, in this whole interview, it's an incredible book, it's about 200 pages, and the person asks him some tough questions about certain areas, and he says, I really feel logically I don't have what to respond to it, yet I think this is Emmis. There's never, he says, a person must constantly self-examine himself and question himself and ask himself, am I right, am I wrong, do I have motives, do I not have motives? Um, it, and, and, so the Midas Hermes. And finally, one more point. This is a general observation about humanism. The, the, the liberal the Western society, in its literature and philosophers and philosophy, stressed the humanism aspect, which was, um, which was basically the sense of how important a person is. So he writes, and I'll just say it out, um, I'll, uh, I'll say it outside because late, he says, Torah is kolkuloi humanistic. It deals with the value of man, and that's what all Torah is about. In halacha, we have kavod abrias, we have pikuach nefesh, but there's one big difference. We understand the value of human and human life is because b'tselam alakim. 
And when we look at the human being as opposed to everyone else, we see the crown of the Bria, because Salam But when the person turns to Kaddish Baruch Hu, he sees the, 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 his aphesius, he sees his own nothingness. He said, he, 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 it's, it, the, the, on caring for people must be based on the Salam Alakim. And anything that distorts Salam Alakim, anything that, that the, the basis Salam Alakim is not in line with, with, with real understanding of what Adam is. And, and it's just as the human being sees himself as a Nazar Ibriya, he must turn around and look at Kaddish Baruch Hu and understand his infinitesimal smallness to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. Those were, were the points. So Al Kapanim, let me finish one story maybe, which is extraordinary. I spoke with somebody, again, this person who I'm very close to, and sometimes when a person is in his more difficult kufa, you get some sort of insight into the person that you wouldn't get otherwise. Let me share the following story. His last kufa, he was, he, he was sick with plague, with a lot of different ailments, a lot of different things, and he started getting very confused. And one of the things he got confused about was he started thinking that it's Yom Neroyim. That seemed to be that's Rosh Hashanah. And this person who told me the story said he, he stood with him to help him daven, and he would say Zechayin Lechayim. And he said he would say Zechayin Lechayim with an extraordinary amount of feeling and begging for life and so on. And finally, one day he refused to put on film. He said it's Rosh Hashanah today. And the person couldn't dissuade him. So he said, we'll bring him in. So his wife, she's a strong person, she'll, she'll set him straight. Took him home, and his wife said, it's not Rosh Hashanah today, it's Monday, whatever it is. So Iran told her, and this is a person who, he says, chronologically you're right, but existentially I'm right. In other words, a person is a Yom Adin. Yes, I could probably have a calendar. This is, this, is, this is the depths of a person whose conscious mind is gone but lives with the feeling, his innermost feeling is that existentially, it's always a Yom Adin, and the Yom Adin is coming, and that's what we're going for. So, it's, it's another incredible facet. Uh, it says in the Gemara that, uh, um, that people who learn Torah are saved from Gehenna, just like a salamander, when you, when you smear his blood, it, the fire doesn't affect you, so to tell me Chachamim. The Koyach of real Torah, the koyach of somebody who was in Sergei and learning, that was 99% of his time wasn't that. A person who learns Torah with the MS of understanding that the Rebbeinu Shalom is the core of, 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 of Torah. Learning every sugya, the Rebbeinu Shalom is speaking to you and, and you're trying to understand what he's saying. That's what learning is about. The, the, the a total self-effacement that you are ka'ayim ka'efes. The sense of Emes, those are somebody who has, somebody who knows Kolatari Kula and is Misegeya Be'emes and has no sense of self and is totally open for self-criticism and constantly, and that's the theme that runs through his, the, that interview, a person needs always to question himself, am I right or not? When you have those, yes, somebody was able to go in there and uh, one of the professors, this I again heard the same person, when he was in Harvard, one of his professors was talking to another one. He says, you know, this, this boy over here is very peculiar. He's like from the 1700s. So, you know, yes, if, 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 you, if you go in with the understanding, w living completely with this type of, 
of, of, of, of sharpness, of, 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 of being totally in Torah, totally with Emma. So another, a person like that can come in and, and take out things. I'll go put him. Let's, I want to finish up with a thought. Um, when we speak a lot of times, Tisha of Arzei Levana, and we speak about a, a godel that passed away in, in, in Europe and during the war years or so on, I'm always struck by the fact that Arzei Levana means the cedars of, of Levana. Um, Levonon is a forest. And, you know, when you have one tree, you have one tree. When you have a forest, a person who's a balnefesh is struck by the variety, the, 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 the variety of life forms, of fauna and flora in, in, in a forest is incredible. And the more a person is able to pick out this plant, that plant, this tree, that tree, this squirrel, this animal, this thing, that thing, the other thing, it, 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 it helps open up your eyes and, and, and your heart. Kalal Yisrael is a point oh oh something of the world, of which Shomer Torah mitzvahs are a smaller percentage, of which Lombe Torah befall are even a smaller percentage. And three giants passed away, and, and each one was a world. We spoke about three people that the only thing they share in common in many ways is they were part of, 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 of the world of Torah. Each one has its own tzibur, each one had certain axioms, I would say, that the others, what there might have been strange, the other ones, and, and yet each one um, expressed and exemplified extraordinary inyanim. It's, it's something that one of the reasons we're fortunate that we don't have a room for a library, and we have so many sfarim around, it's we don't have a lot of sfarim, we have a lot of different sfarim. Torah is rich, not only in quantity, but look at how many facets, like a diamond with an incredible amount of facets. There's so many different, godless is not one thing. Godless comes in many, many, each facet of Torah has its own godless. Having a chance to be misbeinen on three people, yes, um, they had long lives, even Reb Aaron, who was the youngest, was 80, 81 when he was nifta. Um, Reb Chaim was 90-ish, 89, uh, Reb Vazman one. It's a loss, a tremendous loss because you can't replace a hundred years of, of godless, it's, it's, it adds up. But at least to understand that there's so many facets of Torah that we can become big in. That Klaishol has incredible riches to, be, to, to understand who we are and what the Torah produced, how many different, different types of godless came out of Torah, is something we're explaining on. And if at least we're explaining and understanding the different buyas, the different personalities, Hopefully, A, we will strive to have some cash with, with Godless. We'll understand what it means to have a Godel that I can appreciate his unique qualities on a personal way. And Be'ez Hashem, we can bring out those Nikudas of Godless that, that are latent with each and every one of us. Yezichon